which yet the Shmaya. Now let's continue. Now we're going into the Shmona Esrei. Hashem should help that we should have clarity and our prayer should be more meaningful and have a stronger bond and connection to our Creator. So the preliminary prayer that man asked God for help to pray. Why do we need a preliminary tefillah, which is a prayer before we pray, when beginning the Shmona Esrei, which says, My master, open my lips so that my mouth may declare your praise. And so our sages arranged in the Siddur in a way that teaches us the values and attitudes that we should have when praying to our Creator. And for some of us, this approach comes easily, and for others, as a goal. So in, in, in this introductory passage, the, the sages are telling us that we should feel humbled. And when approaching the King of Kings, we realize that our words of praise and expressions of gratitude are woefully inadequate. In all of His majesty, we are speechless. And ask, we ask God, open my lips. So imagine that we were granted a brief audience with the presidents or prime minister of our country. We would dress in our finest clothing. We would plan our presentation with the utmost care. So yet, no matter how well prepared you might be, when you arrive for the meeting, you'll probably be so nervous that you'll probably be unable to express everything you wanted to say. And we might even leave the meeting feeling terrible about the loss of a missed opportunity. And so, while the president or prime minister does not ordinarily seek out individual constituents, God seeks an audience with each of us. He wants to hear our prayers. So why would God want to listen to our prayers? He wants us to establish a close personal relationship with him, just as our forefathers did. And since prayer is the way to connect to God, we ask God to help us pray. And so now, let's go into the three sections of the Shmona Esrei. So what are the connections between the three parts of the Shmona Esrei? The first three blessings of praise, Shavak, the middle blessings of requests, Bakashos, and the final three of gratitude, Hoda'ah. So the Talmud describes the order metaphorically. The first three are like a servant who presents his master's praise, and the middle ones are like a servant who asks for an allocation from his master. And the last ones are like a servant who has received an allocation from his master and is taking his leave and departing. So when we seek an audience with the king of kings, we are in the presence of indescribable greatness. Our rabbis teach us that just like loyal servants, we should praise God in our opening three blessings. And this is the proper protocol. We dare not request our personal or communal needs until we recognize that God is the source of everything we need. And he is the only one who can make our wishes possible. And so the next 13 blessings present supplications for our personal welfare as well as hopes for the future of our people. And this is presented as the servant who modestly asks for an allocation from his majesty. And so we too have to approach our king with the utmost humility. We have no entitlements when it comes to God. We appreciate everything we get. And the last three blessings gives, gives us an opportunity to thank God for what he's given us. This reminds us of the servant who thanks his master before taking leave of him. And this last section of gratitude raises a serious question. So in the event that the servant hasn't received any allocation, why would he be grateful to God? And this, of course, is a lesson of faith. God his own, has his own reasons why at any given time. He may deny his loyal servant his request. So even Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu, God's most trusted servant, was denied permission to enter the land of Israel. Clearly, God has his own timetable and reasons for what he does. And in such a case where God has withheld his allocation to his servant, how does this servant show gratitude? 
So the very fact that the servant was privileged to have an audience with the king of kings is in itself a major opportunity in his life. So when we pray, whether in public or private, we are mindful of the teaching. Know before whom you are standing. Whenever we pray, we should visualize that we're standing before God. And for this opportunity alone, we must express gratitude and appreciation all that he gives us and all that he does not give us. And this attitude of faith in our future is also reflected in our grace after meal, Ramazan, and our blessings, we find the expression, he has been good to us, he is good to us, and he will be good to us. We know that God has been good to us and still is good to us, but how can we praise him by declaring he will be good to us? Who knows what the future holds for any of us? This statement is about our future is an expression of our faith that God will come through for us as he always has. So just as he revealed himself to us in Egypt as a God of our future, I will be that I shall be. So too he pledges to all of us, even when things look bleak, I promise you a future. And here where it says our fathers, the opening blessing of the Shemona Esrei is so powerful that we do not fulfill our obligation to pray if we don't understand every word. And why is relating to this blessing so crucial? And we find a clue in the very title of the blessing, Avos, fathers, our forebears, the patriarchs and matriarchs were role models of what it means to be, what it means to be a Jew and prevail in a pagan society. They set the standards for our mission to make God's name known and honored throughout the world. They passed their traditions and beliefs to the next generation. Generations later, when their descendants crossed the Red Sea, the, 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 the Reed Sea, they profoundly proclaimed, This is my God, and I will beautify him, my father's God. And I will exalt him. So yes, every, every Jew, every Jew declared this is my God, my faith, my tradition, my Messorah. My holiness, my faith did not begin with me. He was the first and foremost my father's God. It is my duty to receive his Torah and transit, transmit it to the next generation. So while our faith in God derives from an inherited Messorah, when approaching Shmona Esrei, we have to first consider our own personal relationship with God with the following silent reflection. My master, open my lips so that my mouth may declare your praise. So God, all that I am and all that I hope to be comes from you. I am in awe of your majesty. Please help me pray. And in the following trans translation, and so we've been, they've been added to, let's enhance the clarity of this meaning. And um, God, it says here, you are the source of all blessing. You are our personal God and the God of our forefathers, of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Yitzhak, and the God of Yaakov. Oh, powerful God, great, mighty, and awesome, God supreme, you bestow ultimate kindnesses upon your creations. You have created everything. You are the God of history and you guide our destiny. Therefore, you remember the kindnesses of the fathers and will bring a redeemer to their children's children for his name's sake with love. You are our king who helps us 
to help ourselves, who saves us when all else fails and who shields us from harm. You are the source of all blessings, my master, shield of Abraham. So now let's ask a few questions about this critical opening of the Shemona Esrei to better understand the concepts behind it. And so what can we learn from the opening of this prayer, the words of prayer? The first three words of the first blessing of the Shemona Esrei begin almost every blessing throughout the day. Whenever we approach God and recite a blessing, we resume a close personal relationship. On the surface, it seems audacious to address the master of the universe as you. Yet upon reflection, the language of our blessings reflect a core belief about our relationship with God. So, Baruch Atah, some religions depict God as majestic and aloof, reciting in heaven far too busy to bother with the affairs of mere mortals. In contrast, we believe that God is not only the creator of the universe, he's the redeemer of the exodus who took us, each of us, out of Egypt. I am your master, your God who took you out of Egypt, out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery. And at Sinai, the Almighty did not address the collective you as him, in plural form, he was speaking to each of us, Asher Hotsehsiha, who took you, you, out, personally and lovingly. And this is the essence of the major principle of our faith, Hashkaha Pratit. God personally intervenes in our lives because he truly cares about you. When God established a you relationship with each of us, he empowered us to call him you. And then God says here, and we say in our in our in, in, in our blessings, Barukata, God, you are the source of all blessing. And as indicated before, the translation of Baruch may be derived from two possible word origins. One which means pool, connoting an inexhaustible wellspring of source of God's goodness, or literally meaning me as in bending the knee when bowing in prayer. So, this is my God, and I will beautify him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. So, in the spiritual ecstasy of crossing the Reed Sea, while escaping from the Egyptians, every Jew experienced an unparalleled closeness to God and proclaimed, this is my God. And every man and woman realized that this special bond with God was not just theirs alone. Their forefathers too had a unique personal relationship with Kalosh Baruch Hu. Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch, the great German Jewish leader, offers an original and insightful translation of this verse. He is my God. I will be his home. He was already my father's God. I will raise him still higher. So he is my God. He will always be part of me. He dwells within me and I will be his home on earth. He's not new to me. He was already my father's God. I dedicate myself to raising the recognition of God in the world to ever greater heights above and beyond those of my forefathers. And first and foremost, each one of us needs to relate to God on a personal level through an in-depth understanding of our faith, beliefs, and practices so we may honestly declare, this is my God. We also need to relate to him through the teachings and traditions our forefathers transmitted from generation to generation. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of each generation. Ask your father and he will relate it to you, your elders, and they will tell you. 
So why do we need a relationship with both our God and the God of our fathers? If our approach to God is solely intellectual and we encounter all others with seemingly superior arguments to our position, our belief system might be shaken. And that is when we turn to the God of our fathers, for we know that they too were challenged by theologians, philosophers, and others throughout the millennia who tried to undermine the principles of our faith. Our ancestors' total commitment to our traditions on both intellectual and emotional levels have withstood the test of time. They are our spiritual roots. And on the other hand, were we to base our beliefs only on the God of our fathers without a personal, intellectual quest to understand what our faith is all about, then we run the risk of practicing a robotic, hand-me-down religion. And it will be devoid of any deep personal meaning running on autopilot. And this is why each of us has to establish a meaningful prayer with a lifelong Torah study of Torah, a misvote for continued spiritual growth. Bezat Hashem, with Hashem's help, we're going to continue with our lessons. Bezat Hashem, tomorrow we're going to dive into more of why, why we bring out Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen.